3: tom bernard show with
0: co-host katherine brant
3: dave schrader Ellie nick andy brant bernard
2: cassie schrader
3: and we'll be right back kick things off tom bernard show
1: Doug
3: Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer dot com. Tell us about this warranty for life thing. I, you know, you know,
4: you understand a lot more about this than I do. Well, of course. I know you're not an automotive mechanic, so let me tell you a cool story. This just happened a couple of days ago. I got an email. Somebody emailed me at Doug at Walzer dot com, and he goes, "Hey, I bought a two thousand and five, and I think it was a Honda Accord back in two thousand fourteen. Having some problems with the engine. Uh, do I have any coverage? So." I called the Honda store, we looked it up, and sure enough, the card qualified for a lifetime powertrain warranty. So it had to be under 60,000 miles at the time of purchase, uh, non-highline vehicle. And they covered the engine repair. Think about what that means. That's a 13-year-old car, and the guy got his engine replaced. It doesn't cover every single thing on the car, but all the, it's like major medical coverage. So the engine goes bad, transmission, four-wheel drive system. You're covered as long as you own the car, as long as you maintain it to factory standards. It's pretty cool.
3: It actually is really cool. Well, I mean, it's a lot cooler than you or
4: me. Well. It is really cool, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, 15-year-old car.
3: And that's why I buy all my cars, and my family buys all their cars from Walzer Automotive Group, walser.com, because of warranty
4: for life. And you like working with me, too, right, Tommy? Tommy? Tom? I, I don't think he's there. That's really
3: nice. Very professionally <laughs> delivered from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. I
5: love this song. Nice guitar work. I love that song, too. I wonder where Jimmy would be if he was still alive. Would he still be relevant today? You think? I would think so. Well, much the same way that Bob Dylan is. Because Jimmy was, man, that guitar stuff's amazing.
3: Well, you get that situation cooking with uh, a song that Bob Dylan wrote, performed by Jimi Hendrix. It doesn't get any better than that.
5: It really doesn't.
3: You know what I mean? I mean, that's as good as it gets. Which is really cool, but yeah, Jimi Hendrix, uh, my God, he's been dead now for 49 years. Has he really? I
5: didn't know it was that
3: long. Died in 1970. Yeah, in 1970 he died. September of
6: 70, I believe it was. Hard to believe. Seems like yesterday. They talked him in the opening for the Monkees. He did six shows before he flipped (laughs) off the audience and walked off stage.
5: (laughs) People people don't realize how how big the Monkees were.
6: They the, were, absolutely. The monkeys were Yeah, huge. but it was, that was a bad combination to have kind of Jimi Hendrix, yeah. acid-y rock yeah, kind of amazing to, to come in. They yeah. said it drove him crazy because the whole time he's up there jamming, they're just going, we want Davey, we want <laughs> yeah. Davey. So he eventually just but dropped well, the guitar, rock, flipped off of the camera, oh, and walked They off had it. their own
5: TV show. I mean, they, you know, they were a big deal.
6: They were
3: indeed. I never missed it. I always watched the monkeys.
0: I had a crush on Davey Jones. Yes, yeah, see? <laughs> I'll admit it. <laughs>
6: Yeah, no, we're talking. I, I had only, a crush is, on.
5: Is Davey the only one left now? I know there's no, no, he's one. the
6: only one that. Uh, no, he Okay. Yeah, yeah, as a matter of fact, this February 29th, so I Mi- think, will be like seven or eight years. So
5: Mickey's the only
6: one left. No, Mickey, Peter, and Mike are still alive. Oh, really? But Peter's been battling still alive, cancel, alive, yeah. can- cancer. So.
0: Oh. Well,
3: it we cancel. Yeah, yeah can- cancer does
6: kind of cancel <laughs> you so you're uh, good Yeah, to go
3: cancel
0: your plans.
3: You're good to go. Not a problem. Uh Tell me if this surprises you. Jeff Bezos and his wife, Mackenzie, are ending their 25-year marriage, the Amazon CEO announced on Twitter on, to, on Wednesday.
0: Doesn't surprise me a bit.
3: Doesn't surprise me at all either. No.
0: Who First would of announce all, she
3: must divorce have gotten glasses. on Twitter? Yeah, really. <laughs> Donald Trump? Did Yeah, he? Trump would. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, he did not. He did not, but he would. Mm. Or maybe he, he did announce one of the 15 that he's been married to. <laughs> I said, "Whatever happened to Marla Maples?" That's what I want to know. Where'd
5: she go? She was the best know. looking one.
3: But the other thing about her, she did a movie, and I can't remember. It was called Turbulent. I think it was called Turbulence or Turbulent, where she played an airline, uh, a flight attendant, right? Mm-hmm. She was so bad they made her whisper <laughs> her lines. Yeah, oh. so I will never. Did they forget. dub her over? No, she whispered. She'd go, yes, sir, we can get that to you right away. Because she'd go, yes, sir, we can get that to you right away.
5: I can see her being
3: bad actress. Oh, she was really bad, no doubt about it. No question about it. So here's the deal. We want to make people aware of a development in our lives. As our family and close friends know, after a long period of loving exploration and trial separation, (coughs) we have decided to divorce and continue our shared lives as friends. It touchingly continues, we feel incredibly lucky to have found each other and deeply grateful for every one of the years we've been married to each other. If we had known we would separate after 25 years, we would do it all again. We remain a family. We remain cherished friends. How much does she get? Yeah, for real. How much
5: does she
0: get?
3: (laughs) Uh, He's worth $110 billion.
0: Is that all?
3: That's all, yeah. Oh, excuse me. I'm wrong. He's worth 137 billion dollars,
0: <laughs> and probably as soon as you finish that sentence, another billion was added on. So it doesn't,
3: it it doesn't even
5: matter. I mean, how much she gets? She gets half. It doesn't matter. Yeah, to him, money is no, basically doesn't. doesn't even exist anymore. You're right.
0: Although I have to say, it would be pretty hard to watch that bank account go from 100 billion to 50.
5: <laughs> I suppose, but you know, whatever. I don't think it would even. It wouldn't change your lifestyle.
3: Yeah. I no, think it would
0: for him. No.
3: Um, what was that number again? They figured it out with, with Bill Gates at $55 billion, I think it was, at the time. There was a, a, an enormous amount of money. Like, a, If Bill Gates is walking down the street and there was like $50,000 in cash laying on, on the sidewalk, if he bent over to pick it up, he'd lose money by wasting his time on that.
5: Hmm. If Isn't you, that if
2: amazing? I think if had, had that a problem. <laughs> if you had a billion
5: dollars yeah. in your bank account, you literally don't have to do anything it's it's so much money interest here no. you're, you're, you you are you do not ever have to do anything i mean
6: see that just proves to me that you uh, you've never had 11 children
5: over a billion you're saying
6: <laughs> i would be out of a building within i'd no, say you wouldn't. three weeks no, you wouldn't. once wow. you have
5: once you have over a billion you can't you can never lose you just can't i'd like yeah, to really. take
6: that challenge <laughs> i think i could yeah I'd, I'd like to try to lose it well, all if
5: you were very fr- frivolous
6: you could yeah i mean
2: well, that's it with having no, kids. No, I don't do <laughs> You know how many Godzilla toys my youngest boy would want? Oh, my gosh. Well, look, Tom.
3: You man. have to say it right or you can't. Gojira. Gojira. You have to say the word. Gojira. Gojira. <laughs> I love that when they do that. I, I love
7: it. Oh, what
3: was that? And now someone else is joining us or something.
2: Hey, uh computer remember when i said do
6: not disturb oh. <laughs> i'm sorry Apparently well, not i can't do that yeah for real hell is taking over it is. Yeah, it is. hey tom hell do you know anything over. do you
3: know
5: anything about reno
3: reno nevada
5: yeah I'm, I'm going to reno tuesday i'm flying there and driving back to pick up a rare motor italian motorcycle engine and i would never been to reno so i figured you Man, might it's kind of dumpy actually Nothing. Nothing worse. A lot seeing. of horror houses, though. So that's. Good. <laughs> yeah. A lot of snow. That's not my style. But anything, anything worse? Not, not
3: mine either. In uh, Reno, no.
0: Like go, Tahoe? If not you not. go up, go up to that's,
6: Virginia City. It's pretty cool. That, that's, that's, that's right up the hill from uh, Reno. Okay. Isn't Reno
0: there. on the other side of Tahoe?
6: Yeah, it's right. Reno Tahoe Airport. And it's north of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
6: So
3: yeah, if you if you. If you've ever seen the movie uh, Ty Cobb, or if you've never seen the movie Cobb, Tommy Lee Jones played Ty Cobb, and he spends the, most of the movie in Reno, Nevada. And watching him drive his big old Cadillac down those snowy mountain roads to get down to Lake Tahoe to the casinos, I mean, it's, that's a hell of a movie. If you've never seen it, you, Ty Cobb was an, an interesting guy,
5: I'll tell you that. The guy I bought it from, I asked him, I said, you know, is there anything worth seeing in Reno? He goes, well... Downtown's pretty ghetto, but...
3: <laughs> it is. Downtown's really ghetto.
0: In, incline Village is pretty, right?
3: But that's, honey, that's a long way from Reno. It's well, not, not a long far. way, but it's... No. I
0: no, I it's mean, not that
5: far. It's drivable, but
0: it's... Yeah, it's just, He's got nothing but time.
5: I'm just flying in, putting this engine in the car, and driving back. I'm just going to spend the day oh. in Reno.
6: Virginia oh, okay. City would, is, is would, like a really good old western town. If you get a chance, right up the hill. It's any, really anything cool. Anything on
5: the way between Reno and Minnesota to see?
6: Uh, the biggest ball of twine I've seen that once Mount yeah, Rushmore Munchak, yeah, uh, Mount Rushmore I've seen all that yeah. Okay. Not that's so good, great
0: though. national parks
6: mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I'm going to be alone though so.
6: Even better
2: <laughs> Go yeah. for a long walk <laughs>
5: I couldn't call Nancy improves, into going to pick up a en- motorcycle engine with me No? Mm-hmm. Why not? She just wasn't into it Why wouldn't she go? I don't know. Ask yeah, it her. Is,
3: it is what it is.
5: <laughs> she doesn't want to be in a car you with me. I, for, she doesn't want to be in a car with me for two
0: days. I can understand that. There okay, it is. Okay,
5: Joe. <laughs> Joe from
3: Louisville, is. being a smartass. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe from Louisville just sent me a note. At least that sound wasn't your ringer this time.
5: Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs>
3: wow. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. Gage, yeah. I get you. It, wasn't it wasn't Michael Bryant. It wasn't Michael Bryant texting you.
6: No, that was me. Yesterday. No, it was not. Oh.
5: Oh, I got to thank yeah, was, I got to thank Doug Sprinthal, too. He hooked me. He gave me a good link for a rent car. Everybody for round trip rent car from Minnesota to Reno is like two hundred bucks, but one way from Reno to Minneapolis is like twelve hundred dollars.
6: Wow!
5: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense.
6: Well, no. with the terrorism but, stuff, they started uh, becoming leery of one way trips. But
5: Doug Sprinthal yeah. sent me a link, and I got one for cheap. So, thanks, Doug. Hmm.
0: Costco does uh, car rentals for cheap, too, by the way.
5: Yes, that's what somebody else mentioned, too. I'm going going with the Doug Sprint all way.
3: That's a mistake. (laughs) Thank you very much. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Not here to defend himself. Well, I figured
5: Walzer, Walzer would know the best deals because they probably do drive cars to other dealerships and then rent a car back. Yeah, they do,
3: yeah. Probably true probably 100% true, ladies and gentlemen. The oldest person in the United States has died. She just died, 114 years old. Uh, we don't know who the oldest person in the U.S. is now because she just died. But the great thing about it is, they asked her her kids, and her kids are like in their 90s. <laughs>
7: her
0: kids. It's <which> just hilarious.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but they said, "Why do you think? Uh, why do you think your mother lived so long?" Said, "She ate a sweet potato every day." See, <laughs> I
1: love
6: that. One sweet potato a day, you live to be 114 years old. Well, better than I the guy that uh, created Vaseline. He he ate a spoonful, a tablespoon of did. Vaseline yep. a day,
5: and he lived long. So he yeah, did, probably. Yeah. yeah.
6: Kept, oh yeah, he did. Lubed From... inside. Yeah, yeah exactly. His organs exactly. were lubricated. Alex is here. I'm here. What? Alex is here. How yeah. are you
0: doing? What? I'm gonna fall over. Yes. Well, I have childcare, so that's how it goes. Yay! Here we go. Oh, I
8: thought you for, got this, lost. for this week. She's bro. She's bro. I'm surprised that, yeah.
0: that's the
5: oldest person alive in America. That's not her. I know. One fourteen. Not that old. old.
8: Not that old. No. When you consider old,
5: it's a nation man. of a hundred, like 350 million people, it's like. I would figure it'd be like it's 120 something.
2: Uh.
6: <laughs> well, so who is the oldest living human of all time? I thought there was a woman right now who's close to 120, but they think that she may have actually stolen her mother's ID. Oh, That's exactly correct. <laughs> right? Wasn't that the story? Seriously. Oh, she, actually,
8: yeah. there's only been one yep. verified person over 120. So that's what I thought huh?
5: is I, I remember hearing something when, I, when I, cause I went to Catholic school for 12 years. I remember hearing something like the Corinthians or something that's at one time people lived to be like 300 years old. Is that true? Any truth? Yeah.
3: To that? Yeah. Well, it was, like Methuselah was
6: 900. That was, <laughs> that was Bible times. I don't know if they were measuring <laughs> oh, so, it so the So their same years way. were wrong. Their years yeah. were different.
2: Well, they didn't use a 12 month calendar oh, back that's then. that's what yeah. it was.
6: And yeah. their work week was only three days long. So, <laughs> well, you I'm still going by that.
5: I'm still going by the three-day work week. Yeah. I mean, three-hour work week. I'm sorry. You go. Three days? I was going to say you got a zero-hour
6: work week. Three-hour work week.
5: What are you talking about? I got got to give the the horses an hour a day. So there's... To um, do what? You got to grain them and clean up.
0: Don't you remember, Dad? The years that we lived at the barn no he never no. did any of that after all yeah
2: I know we never did any of it but you and I would go down and do it and you know, I have to
3: he thought, we were,
0: he thought we were playing games where and are you cards. Been, where,
5: where are you
3: been Tom uh working uh, doing voiceover uh, yeah back, back when they're talking the days they're talking which is now 16 17 years ago. Uh, back then I was doing the morning show doing appearances, doing voiceover. I basically worked for about four in the morning till about nine o'clock at night every night. That's what I was doing. Yeah Does that include
0: the golfing? <laughs>
6: <laughs>
3: I was trying to get advertisers to come on the station.
6: this passive aggressive yeah. family moment is brought to you by Bradshaw. I'm crying. but horses horses
5: are horses are a lot of work. you don't need a gym membership if you have horses yeah, that's true no.
0: No, I was buff back in those days, Yeah, you man. do not
5: need a gym membership. I have muscles that I've ne- no. never yeah. felt. They're hurting.
7: Oh,
5: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're hurting. <laughs> I actually just started yesterday. I went and bought a bottle. Of, first time in my life, I went and bought a bottle of, of leave. I've never taken a pain pill of any kind of exaggerate or Tylenol. I, I bought a bottle mm-hmm. of leave them. yesterday because I have so many aches and pains.
0: You should get CBD <laughs> Until you start cream. rubbing the uh, Pardon me? the horse liniment in your...
5: <laughs> you know what? <laughs> no. I've, I've thought about that. I've tried DMSO it. before. It works really well.
0: Yeah, it does work great. Yeah.
3: i got to read you something. As you know, I think... I love going to San Francisco, but not for the people who are the worst people on Earth. <laughs> They really are. Well, not every. They are not good people. Like I'm sorry. They're such a pain in the ass. But uh, here's another reason why I think the people in San Francisco are insane. You know, there are all these other things. The cost of housing there is psychotic. Well, the latest example of San Francisco's insane cost of living, there's a doggy daycare center. Once you pay the $7,500 initiation <laughs> fee, what? You, no, I'm not done. I'm not done. $7,500 initiation fee, it's $1,500 a month. Whether well, sure. they stay there or not.
0: God, wow. I pay 20 bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah, for 20 real. 20
3: bucks an hour. <laughs> you believe that? I
2: paid $45 a day while we were gone. Have you seen, yeah, I <laughs> for have two you seen the
5: aerial footage of tent, the tent city in San Francisco? Yep. All oh, Yep. It those is, people are crazy. It is insanity.
8: Not doing great.
5: It's insanity. Just.
3: No, they're completely
8: not. Blocks
5: nuts. and blocks and blocks of tents and poop all over the ground. Ugh. They actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's poop, poop everywhere. Yeah, they what, poop around the
0: ground. But yep. I'd like to know. I have to pick up after my dog. Right, it's a law. Got to pick up the poop. Yep. They provide poop containers throughout the cities. Why don't the homeless people have to pick up their own poop? Where are they? Give gonna, them a little baggie. Where do they put it? Give them a baggie. Throw it in the garbage can. Provide think, garbage cans. You know
5: what? Garbage cans are going away, especially in Minneapolis. Because the city, well, they does, better not. That city doesn't want to pay for them No, they don't want to pay
8: cans. for someone God. to. Oh. I a, the, the few garbage cans <laughs> that I see, uh, like, out and about, I don't anymore, but when I did live in Minneapolis proper, they were pretty much always overflowing.
5: Even fast food places, they used to have garbage cans at the end of the drive-thru. <laughs> yep. They're gone. Uh-huh. They don't have them anymore.
3: Where do you have it? We'll be back a couple of minutes, Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here with the founder and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. He's here to talk about a great service and an app that you can get because you're a customer of North American Banking Company. It's called X-Check. All right, Michael, my friend, how do you get it? What's the situation? Do I need it? All that stuff. It's an application that we designed to compete with the national applications out there for person-to-person payments. You can get it at the Apple Store or the Android Store. It's for payments that you wanna make when you don't have cash. If you wanna pay the kid who shovels your driveway, if you wanna settle up a dinner, check if you want to settle up a bet on the golf course when you don't have cash you can use the app the payment
4: will settle directly into the payee's account literally the same day
3: this is tom why not bank with my banker and x check i'm going to get it today check out nabankco.com slash kq for more about x check north american banking company a better banking experience member fdic and equal housing lender Five five four twenty twenty. And please tell him Tom sent you. Parliament Funkadelic. I
5: was watching some video of them the other day. It's pretty it's pretty <laughs> entertaining stuff. Yeah.
3: Love it. Loved George Clinton, man. Yeah. Phenomenal show. If you never saw, saw him live, that's too bad. Yeah.
5: I don't think I ever seen him live. I've just seen footage, but.
3: The greatest thing is the bands tonight. They're all going to be there. Several different bands. The Brides of Funkenstein, Bootsy Collins, (laughs) Parliament, Funkadelic. It's all the same people. They just changed their clothes. (laughs) George Clinton was a smart guy, man. No doubt about it. He had it all figured
5: out. He had it all figured out. I heard an ad today on KQ that... Kiss, l- the last tour. Kiss, haven't they have the last tour like yeah. 10 years in a row? Yeah, for real
6: <laughs> Yes, they have. Well, they have indeed. In their defense, they had the last tour with, uh, they had the reunion tour. Then they did mm-hmm. the last tour as the original four. And then they replaced Peter and Ace. I'm telling you, there's something wrong with that roast beef sandwich. <laughs> My tongue is going numb as I speak. Um you hey, yeah, I don't know what's happening, Tom. But uh, so they so they did that final tour, and I think that might be what you're thinking. Now they're of.
5: saying this is the very final yeah. tour. Well, they're
6: like 78. How much more no, can you do? They're... Paul Stanley's voice is not holding up. Never did. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty good, but it's it's not holding up. Now they're saying uh, they're really worried about this Van Halen uh, Van Halen reunion tour now too, because David Lee Roth. There's nothing left.
5: Well, there was nothing left last tour. But yeah. but you know what? Yeah, but now they've but got the I'm,
6: original but lineup I'm back. I'm
5: okay with that. I'm okay with David. David
6: sucking. Not when not when you're paying two hundred bucks a ticket but, to but go to a concert. David was
5: never good live.
6: Yeah.
5: He never was. Yeah, he really wasn't. I went to Van Halen tours in the eighties. He wasn't good live ever. Really? No, he was never good live.
6: Yeah, he was. They definitely played with him in the studio to tweak. Mm-hmm. The sound that you heard, but uh but one of the best front of all
5: time, 180 Two hundred hundred and eighty
6: to two hundred dollars a ticket for Van Halen to have a lead singer who can't sing. I might as well yeah. go to karaoke night.
7: Yeah.
6: Ugh. Come on, you try to sing with half a tongue. <laughs> I'm trying right now. I'm trying to talk Yeah, half you're trying a to tongue. talk with half a
3: tongue. <clears throat> Very weird. Yeah, that does happen, man. That depends on what you eat, but that does happen. It can <laughs> what, yeah, I don't know what else I was talking
2: about.
5: I
3: don't
6: know. Oh, really? Really? Mm. Look at that. That's uh, Nick leaving his, his ring around. Here, have a little coffee
2: that might wake up really? your tongue. My, my ring
5: is um,
6: off. Might.
2: <laughs> it might. Caf-
6: Joe Caf- from Joe from
3: Louisville wants Dave to say the word anecdote. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs>
2: Shut
6: up. I've had the worst time with that. Because I always say antidote. Yeah, he's got this antidote to Everybody's share. And they're antidote, like, why? Yeah. Who's got poison? <laughs> Shut up.
2: See, I was born on a pirate ship.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Not right now with my numb tongue. Yeah. I was born
3: on a pirate ship. I like it. That works for me. So you say antidote
6: uh, it, instead it, of anecdote? It just, it, anecdote just sounds weird when I try to say it. Even when my tongue isn't numb. But anecdote, yeah, just... I, yeah, I've got, to, I've got to learn to add that C, that hard C to it when I'm talking because it drives people crazy. And I'm on a show we'll that's based it. out of Nevada. And if you say Nevada, people go nuts. They want what? No, no, is that oh, Nevada. Nevada? Nevada. Nevada.
5: Yeah, they do,
3: yeah. So
6: uh, I Did get they I want get Nevada, that. Or they want Nevada. They want
5: Nevada. 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 Yeah. yeah. They want Nevada.
6: Long but A. I'm from Minnesota, yeah. and you'd think I'd have that long A sound, but I don't. No,
3: nah, it works out that way. I I literally have had my fill of Nevada. So
5: <laughs>
3: I've been to, I literally have been to Vegas now what about fifty times? I do not like time. Vegas. I mean, yeah, I no, don't either. I'm not a it's fan.
5: Great
0: shopping.
3: Yep. Great shopping and great restaurants is not Great shopping, that, great, because, great shopping
5: because of prices mm. or great shopping because of, of choices. Choices. Okay. Cause I.
0: And then you can sh- and then you can ship it back to. um I mean, there was some serious sales last time we were out there. And then you can ship it back to Minnesota, and then you don't have to pay sales tax. So it's...
3: Great. That's my uh, lovely wife, Catherine, talking because uh, everywhere we go for about the first 60 days, about three packages get delivered to that residence. <laughs> you nice kidding that's, that's much
5: That's Nancy's. I swear to God. Y- oh, yesterday The man. UPS truck came. The whole truck was us. from Macy's. I was like, <laughs> we, we, I mean, literally the whole truck.
6: Yeah, but Nick, you guys are out in the back 40 now. You don't get out into the public that I often. Filled, She's got to get the supplies. I'm not kidding the you. That, the mudroom,
5: Tom, where you walk in the next yeah. to the garage was yeah. literally yep. filled.
0: <laughs> boxes oh, yeah. from Macy's.
2: Oh uh, yeah. no, my! Mm. Mm, you yeah. poor dears That's
3: Catherine. No That's What you got
0: to put up with? You guys should watch That's the new t- show on Netflix, the tidying, tidying up. That's oh, we saw show. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that the one that did the book? Yeah, Magic Art of Yeah, okay. the life-changing magic of tidying up.
5: You know, this whole new yeah. binge-watching series on Netflix is new to me, and I've done three mm-hmm. now, and I'm not doing it anymore because they don't have any endings. You, you watch a whole series, and then the last series, the last yeah. episode, you're like, well, there's no ending. <laughs>
0: yeah, And, and then, I,
5: then I can't sleep for a week because you're wondering watch, what happened.
6: you got to watch the series that you know ended, like Dexter has an ending. Okay, uh, Parks I, and Rec has I, an I, ending. I watched the, the office whole has
5: orange, that is the new black. There's no real ending.
6: Yeah. It just ends. I
5: never You can always that. watch
6: The Sopranos. That's a great ending. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I watch The Sopranos. I watch
5: then and I just can't do it anymore. And you know what? We're mad about I, f- lost. I found that watch binge watching some of those shows can really affect your psyche, your mood, and your and kind of make you have depression and anxiety.
6: Maybe you should stop watching Orange Is the New Black
5: then. Well, I did the same thing when I watched Breaking Bad all in one shot. I
6: well, that's the depressing show. watching. Shows. Shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh
5: I God. watched Breaking Bad all in one shot. Uh-huh. Watch Carson Wreck I kind of was psycho for a week or two No, That's
2: how I get when I read certain books Like I wa- I read Gone Girl And I was like damn <laughs> yeah, I can't trust him <laughs> What's his problem If you haven't read Gone Girl It's like the most messed up relationship I saw the movie and, mm-hmm. Yeah, The movie was actually pretty close to the book But yeah for like a month I was like Trust no one <laughs>
3: <laughs> Don't look at me I've been like that since I was about seven
6: Yes.
5: You
0: have Trust you, no you, one. You, you yes. are like that. He is like that.
6: Speaking of gone girl, can I rant for a second with you, Tom? There's a book called The Girls Are Gone, which is a true crime book that takes place oh, here yeah. in Minnesota. Yep. And oh, we did our show yesterday, uh, and pardon me, I, I, I ate something weird at lunch. My tongue is a li- literally numb on me. You're the air. fine. Maybe but, you should go um, to
2: the hospital.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking.
6: Just I just might us if your some... anecdote. Yeah, shut up, jerk. <laughs> I got epi I got in the car. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: If it's not within 20 minutes, if it's 20 minutes after you ate it, you're not going to go into anaphylactic Good.
6: Uh, I, I spoke to uh, Michael Broadcorb and Allison Mann, oh, who were Michael. involved in the case, yep. and... Uh, they were telling me, and this was the second episode I've done in the last few weeks, where the main story didn't end up being the real story to me. I was horrified by this. So the the whole thing is that this couple uh, gets divorced here in Minnesota. The the wife tricks a husband into this weird deal where her family's going through some financial deal. She tells her husband we should do this financial divorce. So the whole concept is he's going to sign this paperwork so that that way if anything hinky goes wrong, his money's not touched. Well, he finds out he's been kind of screwed out of the divorce. He's literally divorced. He's booted out. Loses his kids, and then as he's fighting to regain control and everything, his two teenager two daughters, disappear, and they're gone, and How nobody old? knows where they are. I, I can't remember the ages off the top of my head, but they're they're young okay. girls that they vanish. They're teenagers, gone. right? Right, Teen- and. They're gone, and, and 48 hours after their disappearance, and everybody's involved in this, uh, one of our local news uh, people, Trish Van Pilsom, finds them and does an interview with them. And then she comes knocking on the door of the dad and says, I just had a conversation with your daughters. I want to talk to you. And he's like, where are they? Well, she wouldn't tell. She wouldn't give him the information of where his own daughters were. Now, you'd think, okay, maybe there's some hinky stuff going on, and the mother was trying to convince the girls that their dad had had hurt them and was abusive and and some other things. So I get that aspect of it. But then he had been cleared of any wrongdoing. They, They found no proof of any of this. Trish Van Pilsen refused to give up any information. These girls were missing for two and a half years. While the mom's out traipsing the world, having fun, doing what she wants, these two girls are are working slave labor for some family up in, was it like Herman or something? I, yeah, so it was like a farm. It's, it's ridiculous. And Tris Van Pilsom knows about this. I said, first of all, if my kids are missing and you show up on my doorstep and want to do an interview and know where my kids are and you refuse to tell me, you're living in a well. Ugh. In my basement, getting oh, a, a basket lowered down with lotion until you're ready to talk.
8: Yeah, for real.
6: I don't see that going on. But so... I don't understand why why somebody in the media who has the information isn't pressed to come forward with this when it's two minors. First of all, she did an interview without the legal consent of the guardians or the parents of these children, and the uh, she kept the information. So for two and a half years, the FBI, local law enforcement, sheriff's offices, and other police were involved in this. This had to be over a million dollars. What year was to this? To try to find it was 2013 to try to find these girls. And uh, it, it, it's just it's ridiculous to me. So if I faked my own disappearance and then popped back up, I would be forced to pay restitution for all the money that they mm-hmm. spent. Right. But somebody who knew, and then this um, scumbag attorney for the wife knew, and wouldn't say because it was client confidentiality, well then, why are the law still out searching for these people if the mom, the attorney, and Trish Van right, Dusen knows right. where they are? Uh, somebody, sh- I, I, I'm just, I'm completely baffled. The book is great. The girls are gone, and uh, if people are looking for an amazing book that'll open up your eyes, and I really think that uh, somebody needs to look into the way reporters and investigative reporters do their work. Now, I understand sometimes in order to get a good story, you have to protect your your sources, but these two girls were let off at a McDonald's. They walked a few blocks down to the hotel to meet with Trish to do this deal. There was nobody there. Trish could have been a hero, taken the kids, and gotten them to safety. She didn't. She could have followed the car to where they were keeping the kids and alerted the the police and said, let us be the ones to break this story. She didn't. She helped two children stay away from their father for two and a half years and cost millions of dollars to do this, I'm I'm blown away. How is this even a thing? How can this be a thing in in today's society? I would agree with that completely. I've never uh, kn- known a, a reporter to
3: make up stuff as they went along either. That's yeah, I yeah. that love about. Yeah. <clears throat> How they just make stuff up. You're supposed to be reporting the truth, not your version of it.
6: Right, and she's allowed to be, well, she might have felt she was protecting the girls. It's not your job. You're a flippin' reporter. You're not the judge, jury, or executioner. Get these children to safety. And that's what needs to be done, not away from their father, who's already been proven not to be damaging to them, or at least get them back so that the mother knows where they're at. Nobody's concerned with the fact that this mom is traipsing around the world, doing whatever she wants while her kids are missing. Now, the mom ended up, you know, I don't want to give too much of the book away, the mom ends up paying... And does some time, um, but the the attorney that hid this information from law is not accountable. The uh, investigative reporter who knew is not held accountable. Yeah, we are in a messed up society. Completely. Well, no, mm-hmm. reporter, no, 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 no
5: reporters are held accountable anymore. They say stuff that's no. just not even true, and they mm-hmm. well, not even close.
2: Well, Tom. You- you you know the attorney that was for the mother remember michelle mcdonald that was running for yeah yeah, that was her the mom's attorney and she also assisted i think she was the one that actually was there the night the girls took off from the house and then that's when they brought them to whatever farm it was so she knew as well and i think she actually got reprimanded by the courts and was like suspended for like 60 days and that was it
6: big deal yeah Missing things in things Minnesota, I if I can mention that, missinginminnesota.com. Go look at the site. You can find all the information about this case and how to get the book. But these uh, these two authors should be applauded for sh- sharing this information and getting it out there. And I think somebody needs to hold Trish Van Pilsen accountable for this because as a parent, I, I, could you imagine, is Tom, she, she if, if Alex and Andy just vanished and Trish Van Pilsen held the key and didn't want to tell you? Is she still on the air? Uh, I think she's with Fox Nine or I know she was with Fox Nine. I don't know if she still is. I'm just Fox Nine I think changed
5: was. everybody recently.
6: Wow. They have a whole
5: new crew.
6: I'll give you an
3: example of what what happened to me. Many years ago, uh, I when sitting at the house with Catherine, tearing up and all the rest of it, she goes, What's the matter with you? And I said, What do you mean what's the matter with me? Our kids moved away to college And she said they're in Saint Paul,
0: <laughs>
3: so that's how I'd react. Half
0: an hour away. They're a
3: half an hour away, and I was tearing up because they weren't living at home anymore. That's uh, yeah, it that would not go over well with me. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. we want to talk more about this, Dave, as, as time goes by. This is. Uh, I said to Dave last night. I was talking to talking to Dave on the phone last night. I asked him a question. I said, "Is this an anti-man thing? Is it because of the husband?" Is a guy,
6: and uh, all these people decided to go after him.
3: You know, I mean, is that yeah. what this is all well, about? I, I
6: know we got to go to break. We can chat about it when we come back if yep. you want. Yeah, I think we have a guest. Okay, in
3: five minutes. That's cool. We'll work it out. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard, too Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. So,
5: got a little Michael Jackson coming back. I've been listening to some, some Michael in. Jackson. I didn't really appreciate Michael Jackson when he was in his prime. I've listened to his stuff. Really? It's, it's really good stuff. Mm-hmm like yeah, it, he's, he's, good. he was Especially he is really good
0: that thriller album was unbelievable
5: i
3: would agree completely is james ready to go yes james clear ladies and gentlemen his new book atomic habits tiny changes remarkable results I guess. i'm the guy you need to talk to james what hey what was that oh hey how you doing james
8: hello how's it going
3: everything's going extremely well Blue. Uh, in any case, uh, atomic habits, tiny changes, remarkable results. Uh, you're talking to the right guy because I am at this point in my life trying to make these these little changes to make everybody else around me's life easier because, you know, I can get crabby, James, so I need to change a couple things. Um, make time for small habits to com- compound to make big change. You can get just 1% better each day. You'll end up with results that are nearly 37 times better after one year. That's a very cool point to make. Tell tell me what that's all about. That's interesting.
8: Well, I like to refer to habits as the compound interest of self-improvement. And the reason I like using that phrase and the example you just gave, that if you can get 1% better each day for 365 days, you end up almost 37 times better at the end of the year. The reason I like to use that is that Habits are not exactly like that, right? It's not, it's not a mathematical equation. It's not perfectly like that. Right. But, man, it feels like that sometimes. And um, it basically is kind of like the same way that money multiplies through compound interest. The effects of your habits multiply as you repeat them across time. You know, so on any given day, a habit that's 1% better or 1% worse doesn't feel like a whole lot. You know, like what's the difference between eating a burger and fries for lunch today or eating a salad? On any given day, not very much. Your body looks basically the same in the mirror. The scale doesn't really change that Mm -hmm. much. But if you repeat that habit for two years or five years or 10 years, you turn around and you realize, oh, wow, those daily choices really do compound. And so the idea behind the book and behind that uh, math and so on is to capture the opportunity, the value that lies in those daily choices that you know, give you a framework for making choices and building habits that are 1% better rather than 1% worse.
3: Yeah, I see. I think it's a great idea. Because I think if you, you come to say somebody and say, hey, you have to change, that's way too big a job. Just saying you got to change. When you do it your way, uh, it makes total sense. Because little by little, as you said, you're not even going to notice it really um, until – uh, again after one year it's uh, nearly 37 times better that makes total sense now are there any specific bad habits that you look at or is it just you have to look inside who has to realize what you're what you're doing is a bad habit is that a personal thing or some yeah can somebody else tell you
8: that uh well <laughs> i think we all certainly have uh, people who would feel like we could identify their bad habits um but At the end of the day, behavior change is always going to be some level of a personal journey, and this is one reason why in the book I recommend this strategy called a habit scorecard, and so the habit scorecard is an exercise that's meant to help you discover what those habits are that you need to change. You know, one of the things that's challenging about habits is that early on in the beginning, it's hard to know what to change because once it's built, once it becomes a habit, it's kind of automatic. You don't even really notice it. You don't think about the fact that you apologize each time before you ask a question or you unplug the toaster after each use or you cover your mouth every time you laugh. Like you don't even really know because you're just doing it automatically. So the habit Mm -hmm. scorecard is meant to help you identify some of those areas that maybe you'd like to improve. And so one example, just real quick, is you could... Write down all the – the habit Scorecard asks you to write down your habits in kind of granular detail. So, you know, I wake up, I turn off the alarm, I check my phone, I go to the bathroom, I make my bed, take a shower, and so on. And once you have that list, maybe you realize, all right, I wake up, I turn off my alarm, that's fine. Then I check Instagram. Well, should I really be checking social media before I've even taken a step today? Like, probably not. (laughs) And so that of gives you a way – of seeing that right and once you notice it once you're aware of it then you have a chance to change it you know you could say all right i'm going to start charging my phone in another room i'll charge it into the kitchen and i'll buy an actual alarm clock for 10 bucks on amazon and i'll use that to wake up but the only reason mm-hmm. that you were able to do that to design a strategy for changing that bad habit is because you became aware of it
3: yeah it's pretty amazing what you were just talking about because i literally avoided that I think at first when people would send you messages or, or whatever, I don't go on social media anymore. I used to, but I don't do it any longer. But I did find myself checking out, and I'm like, what am I doing? Why? You know, I, it can wait. I do have friends that send me, send me text messages in the morning, but I, I wait until I sit there. I also do a morning show, James, so it's uh, when I'm in bed, the first thing I do when I wake up uh, on a work day, I go, Jesus, it's only 3.30 in the morning. So it's not a bad habit, James. It's just it's way too early to be awake. But, yeah, avoiding those things that, uh, yeah, like you said, wasting time on, on checking uh, social media and things like that. It can be checked later on. They're not going anywhere. I, I really like that that point. That's a very good point. Um, other bad There are other ha- ways to bad... your environment, too. Okay, I'd love to hear them.
8: Well, you know, you could like... Um... If we take the, the social media habit, for example, we've got, uh, you know, the morning routine I just mentioned, but you also notice that your phone interrupts you a lot throughout the day, you know, like there are yes. best messages coming in, calls coming in, whatnot. And so I've, uh, I've tried a new strategy for this last year where I have left my phone in another room until lunch each day, and I can't do it every day. I and mean, It doesn't work for every job, but man, if you can do it, it really helps. And, um, and so I find that I just get this block of like two to three hours where I get to respond to my own agenda rather than everybody else's agenda. And mm-hmm. what's interesting to me about it is that if my phone is next to me, if it's on the desk, I'm like everybody else. I'll check it, you know, every three minutes. But I have a home office, and so if I leave it in another room, it's only about 30 seconds away. But I never go down to get it. I never walk down the stairs and grab it. And so my question is like, well, did I want it or not? You know, I like, I wanted it enough to check it all the time if it was next to me, but I never wanted it bad enough to walk 30 seconds and get it. And I think a lot of our bad habits (laughs) are like that, especially technology habits, you know? When they're super convenient, when they're really frictionless, when they're so easy that all you have to do is just reach for the phone next to you, you don't have to get out of your chair, we find ourselves sliding into them. Um, but when you add a little bit of friction then you actually did want to do the harder work, you did want to do something else, but you just never gave yourself the chance to because it was so easy to act on every little whim or desire because technology was right there the whole time. So adding a little friction can really make a big difference. You
3: know, it's amazing just thinking about all the different things because this is not something I think about a whole lot or what habits I have, if I should change some of them. Um there are so many things to work on trying to improve as a human being. I, I just, uh, the one thing, this is not a habit, James, but maybe you could help me get my sanity back with this. Does anyone ever do what they say they're going to do anymore? Does that ever happen? Cause I don't see a whole <laughs> lot. Of
5: it. I always do what I say. Yeah.
8: There's a big gap. There's a gap. There between is a big gap. <laughs> Intention and action. Right. And, um, I have a whole section in the book on this, which is called, uh, the research uh, in psychology literature is called implementation right. intention. And so the yep. basic idea is you're just stating your intention to implement the behavior. And uh, what you're referencing, this idea of people are like, you know what, all right, this is going to be the year I'm going to get in shape, shake, or it'll be different this time. Right. I'm going to eat better. Right. Um, these kind of vague notions of changing, it's very rare for us to actually fall through on that. But an implementation intention asks you to make it specific. So you would say something like, I will exercise on this day at this time in this place, or I will get my flu shot on November 21st at 1 p.m. Um, And what these studies have shown is that this strategy, which is simply just filling out one sentence and getting super clear about when you're going to do a habit, Uh, it increases the likelihood that you get your flu shot, that you exercise, that you recycle, that you quit smoking, that people will show up at the polls and vote. Um, And the lesson that I take away from it is that a lot of people think that what they lack is motivation when what they really lack is clarity. A lot of people think that they need more willpower when what they really need is a very specific and actionable plan for taking that first step. And so an implementation intention is a simple thing, but it makes it very clear when and where to act
3: you know what's amazing about this James is the fact that if you look at it on its face that uh, all this stuff is really good for you but we avoid doing it would make our lives better but for some reason we avoid doing them and I don't understand how we got to that point you know why don't why don't we yeah, always that's do a really what... good
8: question well, well, I, I... The, basically the way that I would describe it is that you, there's a gap, and that gap is the cost of your good habits is often in the present, and the cost of your bad mm-hmm. habits is often in the future. So your bad habits, you know, like eating a donut right now, that, it's great in the moment. It's sweet. It's sugary. It's enjoyable. Um, but if you repeat that habit for a month or a year, then the outcome is negative, whereas with good habits, it's often the reverse. The immediate outcome of going to the gym is you sweat and you have to put in energy and sacrifice and it's hard, but the ultimate outcome is favorable. And so the way to get over that or the way to work around that is you need to find a way to put immediate gratification to use for you, to work for you. And one way to do that is by selecting the form of a habit that is most enjoyable for you. So in the case of exercise, there are a bunch of different ways to exercise. Not everybody has to work out like a bodybuilder. You know, you could go swimming, go kayaking, rock climbing, go for a walk in the neighborhood, do Pilates or yoga. Choose the form of exercise that brings you joy in the moment. Because if you're just doing it to see your body change, it's really hard to stay motivated because that's not gonna happen for three months or six months or a year. And um, you need something that makes you feel good today so that you have a reason to show up again tomorrow.
0: I have a question. This is Catherine. Um, I find for myself, it's just easier to do things in small steps. You know, like, you know, do, do something small and then do another one. Like, when I, when I had kids in the house, I was constantly, like, driven mad with disorganization. I could never find my keys. I could never find my keys. It drove me insane. So I finally just figured out after six months of being driven mad that I can't find my keys to put up a key hook. <laughs> I mean, it was like a, such a small thing, but it made my life a million times better. I just came in, I put the key on the key hook, yeah. and now I've got key hooks all over the place. Uh, I mean, I love, you know, it, and that just was, it just motivated me to keep on doing, uh, finding methods that worked for me.
8: Small changes like that, especially when it's at a point of leverage, like what you described, can make a really big difference. And I, I like to so to take your kind of key hook uh, story and strategy and extend it out to habits in general. There, you know, having a place to put your keys was a small action that ended up rippling Very into small. other areas of life and made you know made mm-hmm. made the other uh, things that you were dealing with easy. Well, that same strategy can be applied to almost any other habit. And the key way to do it is to think about what is the decisive moment that determines the next chunk of time. So for you, the decisive moment was, I need to get my keys. And that determines the next chunk of time where either you're spending 20 minutes running around trying to track them down, or Mm -hmm. by just mastering that decisive moment and putting up a key hook, you save yourself 20 minutes. Well, the same thing happens for me each morning. So I've got – I have this – there's this moment usually around 9am where I sit down at my desk to write the next article and either I open up Evernote and I start writing the next thing I'm going to work on or I go to ESPN and I check the latest sports news. And what happens in the next 45 minutes is really determined by what happens in the first 45 seconds. Like that really determines the next chunk of time. And so the decisive moment to master is that little habit of sitting down and um And figuring out a ritual that gets me to open Evernote automatically. That's the thing that maybe it's something as simple Mm -hmm. as when I close my computer for the night, I put Evernote up as the main thing on the screen. So it's the first thing I see when I sit down the next morning. But little points of leverage like that uh, give you a chance to master that chunk of time that you would otherwise lose. And your uh, your key hook story is another good example of that. It's a wonderful thing.
3: James Clear, the book is called Atomic Habits, Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results. James, thanks for your time today. Wonderful talking to you, sir.
8: Wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely.
3: We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show.